Section 11, Volume 3 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3, Section 11. When it was the one hundred and forty-third night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the man sat down by the fountain basin, and ceased not pouring water on his head, till he was tired. Then he went out to the room in which was the cistern of cold water, and seeing no one there, he found a quiet corner, and taking out a piece of hashish, swallowed it. Presently the fumes mounted to his brain, and he rolled over on to the marble floor. Then the hashish made him fancy that a great lord was shampooing him, and that two slaves stood at his head, one bearing a bowl, and the other washing gear, and all the requisites of the hammam. When he saw this, he said in himself, Meseemeth these here be mistaken in me, or else they are of the company of us hashish-eaters. Then he stretched out his legs, and he imagined that the bath-man said to him, O oh, my master, the time of thy going up to the palace draweth near, and it is to-day thy turn of service. At this he laughed, and said to himself, As Allah willeth, O Hashish. Then he sat and said nothing, whilst the bathman arose, and took him by the hand, and girt his middle with a waist-cloth of black silk, after which the two slaves followed him with the bowls and gear, and they ceased not escorting him, till they brought him into a cabinet, wherein they set incense and perfumes a-burning. He found the place full of various kinds of fruits and sweet-scented flowers, and they sliced him a watermelon, and seated him on a stool of ebony, whilst the bathman stood to wash him, and the slaves poured water on him. After which they rubbed him down well, and said, O our Lord, Sir Wazir, health to thee for ever! Then they went out and shut the door on him, and in the vanity of fantasy he arose, and removed the waistcloth from his middle, and laughed till he well-nigh fainted. He gave not over laughing for some time, and at last quoth he to himself, What aileth them to address me as if I were a minister, and style me master and sir? Haply they are now blundering, but after an hour they will know me and say, This fellow is a beggar, and take their fill of cuffing me on the neck. Presently, feeling hot, he opened the door, whereupon it seemed to him that a little white slave and a eunuch came in to him, carrying a parcel. Then the slave opened it, and brought out three kerchiefs of silk, one of which he threw over his head, a second over his shoulders, and a third he tied round his waist. Moreover, the eunuch gave him a pair of bath-clogs, and he put them on. After which in came white slaves and eunuchs, and supported him, and he, laughing the while, to the outer hall, which he found hung and spread with magnificent furniture, such as beseemeth none but kings. And the pages hastened up to him, and seated him on the divan. Then they fell to kneading him, till sleep overcame him, and he dreamt that he had a girl in his arms. So he kissed her, and set her between his thighs. Then, sitting to her as a man sitteth to a woman, he took yard in hand, and drew her towards him, and weighed down upon her, when, lo, he heard one saying to him, Awake, thou ne'er-do-well! The noon hour is come, and thou art still asleep. 
he opened his eyes and found himself lying on the merge of the cold water tank amongst a crowd of people all laughing at him for his prickle was at point and the napkin had slipped from his middle so he knew that all this was but a confusion of dreams and an illusion of hashish and he was vexed and said to him who had aroused him would thou hadst waited till i had put it in then said the folk art thou not ashamed o hashish eater to be sleeping stark naked with stiff standing tall and they cuffed him till his neck was red now he was starving yet forsooth had he savoured the flavour of pleasure in his dream when kanmakan heard the bondwoman's tale he laughed till he fell backward and said to bakun o oh, my nurse this is indeed a rare story and a delectable i never heard the like of this anecdote say me hast more yes replied she and she ceased not to tell him merry adventures and laughable absurdities till sleep overcame him then she sat by his head till the most part of the night was past when she said to herself it is time to profit by the occasion so she sprang to her feet and unsheathed the hanger and rushing up to kanmakan was about to cut his throat when behold his mother came in upon the twain as soon as bakun saw her she rose in respect and advanced to meet her and fear got hold of her and she fell a-trembling as if she had the ague when his mother looked at her she marvelled to see her thus and aroused her son who awoke and found her sitting at his head now the cause of her coming was that kuzia fakan overheard the conversation and the concert to kill kanmakan and she said to his mother o wife of my uncle go to thy son ere that wicked whore bakun murder him and she told her what had passed from first to last so she fared forth at once and she thought of naught and stayed not for aught till she went in to her son at the very moment when bakun was about to slay him in his sleep when he awoke he said to his mother o oh, my mother indeed thou comest at a good time for nurse bakun hath been with me this night then he turned to bakun and asked her by my life knowest thou any story better than those thou hast told me she answered and where is what i have told thee compared with what i will tell thee but however better it be it must be told at another time then she rose to depart hardly believing in her escape albeit he said go in peace for she perceived by her cunning that his mother knew what had occurred so she went her way whereupon his mother said to him o oh my son blessed be this night for that almighty allah hath delivered thee from this accursed woman and how so inquired he and she told him the story from beginning to end quoth he o oh my mother of a truth the live man findeth no slayer and though slain he shall not die but now it were wiser that we depart from amongst these enemies and let allah work what he will so when day dawned he left the city and joined the wazir dandan and after his departure certain things befell between king sasan and nujat az-zaman which compelled her also to quit the city and join herself to them and presently they were met by all the high officers of king sasan who inclined to their party then they sat in council together devising what they should do and at last all agreed upon a razia into the land of rum 
there to take their revenge for the death of King Omar bin An-Nu'man and his son Sharkan. So they set out with this intent, and after sundry adventures, which it were tedious to tell, as will appear from what follows, they fell into the hands of Rumzan, king of the Greeks. Next morning King Rumzan caused Kanmakan and the wazir Dandan and their company to be brought before him, and when they came he seated them at his side, and bade spread the tables of food. So they ate and drank, and took heart of grace, after having made sure of death, when they were summoned to the king's presence, and they had said to one another, He hath not sent for us but to slay us. And when they were comforted, the king said, In truth I have had a dream, which I related to the monks, and they said, None can expound it to thee, save the wazir Dandan. Quoth the minister, Weel it was thou didst see in thy dream, O king of the age. Quoth the king, O wazir, I dreamt that I was in a pit which seemed a black well where multitudes were tormenting me, and I would have risen, but when springing up I fell on my feet and could not get out of that same pit. Then I turned and saw therein a girdle of gold, and I stretched out my hand to take it, for when I raised it from the ground I saw it was two girdles. So I girt my middle with them both, and behold, the girdles became one girdle. And this, O Wazir, is my dream, and what I saw when my sleep was deepest. Said Dandan, O our lord the Sultan, know that this thy dream denoteth thou hast a brother, or a brother's son, or an uncle's son, or other near kinsman of thy flesh and blood, whom thou knowest not, with all he is of the noblest of you all. Now when the king heard these words, he looked at Kanmakan, and Nujat Az-Zaman, and Kuzia Fakan, and the wazir Dandan, and the rest of the captives, and said to himself, If I smite these people's necks, their troops will lose heart for the destruction of their chiefs, and I shall be able to return speedily to my realm, lest the kingship pass out of my hands. So, having determined upon this, he called to the sworder, and bade him strike off Kanmakan's head upon the spot and forthright, when, lo, up came Rumzan's nurse, and said to him, O auspicious king, what purposest thou? quoth he, I purpose slaughtering these prisoners who are in my power, and after that I will throw their heads upon their men, then will I fall upon them. I and all my army in one body, and kill all we can kill, and rout the rest. So will this be the decisive action of the war, and I shall return speedily to my kingdom, ere aught of accident befall among my subjects. When the nurse heard these words, she came up to him, and said in the Frankish tongue, How canst thou prevail upon thyself to slay thine own brother's son, and thy sister, and thy sister's daughter? When he heard this language, he was wroth with exceeding wrath, and said to her, O oh, accursed woman, didst thou not tell me that my mother was murdered, and that my father died by poison? Didst thou not give me a jewel, and say to me, Of a truth this jewel was thy father's? Why didst thou not tell me the truth? Replied she, All that I told thee is true, but my case and thy case are wonderful and my history and thy history are marvellous. My name is Marjana, and thy mother's name was Abriza, 
and she was gifted with such beauty and loveliness and velour that proverbs were made of her, and her prowess was renowned among men of war. And thy father was King Omar bin At-Nu'man, Lord of Baghdad and Khorasan, without doubt or double dealings or denial. He sent his son Sharkan on a razia in company with this very Wazir Dandan, and they did all that men can. But Sharkan, thy brother, who had preceded the force, separated himself from the troops, and fell in with thy mother, Queen Abriza, in her palace. And we happened to have sought a place apart in order to wrestle, she and I and her other damsels. He came upon us by chance, while we were in such case, and wrestled with thy mother, who overcame him by the power of her splendid beauty, and by her prowess. Then she entertained him five days in her palace, till the news of this came to her father, by the old woman Shawahi, surnamed Zat-Dawahi, whereupon she embraced Al-Islam at the hands of Sharkan, and he took her and carried her by stealth to Baghdad, and with her myself and Raihanab and twenty other damsels, all of us having, like her, followed the true faith. When we came into the presence of thy father, the king, Omar bin At-Nu'man, and he saw thy mother, Queen Abriza, he fell in love with her, and going in unto her one night, had connection with her, and she conceived by him, and became with child of thee. Now thy mother had three jewels, which she presented to thy father, and he gave one of them to his daughter, Nujat al-Zaman, another to thy brother, Zau al-Makan, and the third to thy brother, Sharkan. This last thy mother took from Sharkan, and kept it for thee. But, as the time of her delivery drew near, she yearned after her own people, and disclosed to me her secret. So I went to a black slave called Al-Ghazban, and privily telling him our case, bribed him to go with us. Accordingly the negro took us, and fled the city with us, thy mother being near her time. But as we approached a desert place on the borders of our own country, the pangs of labour came upon thy mother. Then the slave proved himself a lustful villain, and approaching her, sought of her a shameful thing. Whereupon she cried out at him with a loud cry, and was sore affrighted at him. In the excess of her fright she gave birth to thee at once, and at that moment there arose, in the direction of our country, a dust-cloud which towered and flew till it walled the view. Thereupon the slave feared for his life, so he smote Queen Abriza with his sword, and slew her in his fury. Then, mounting his horse, he went his way. Soon after his going, the dust lifted, and discovered thy grandfather, King Hardub, lord of Grecia land, who, seeing thy mother, and his daughter, lying slain on the plain, was sorely troubled with a distress that redoubled, and questioned me of the manner of her death, and the cause of her secretly quitting her father's realm. So I told him all that had passed, first and last, and this is the cause of the feud between the people of the land of the Greeks, and the people of the city of Baghdad. Then we bore off thy murdered mother, and buried her, and I took thee, and reared thee, and hung about thy neck the jewel which was with Queen Abriza. But when, being grown up, thou camest to man's estate, I dared not acquaint thee with the truth of the matter, lest such information stir up a war of blood revenge between you. 
Moreover, thy grandfather had enjoined me to secrecy, and I could not gainsay the commandment of thy mother's father, Hardub, king of the Greeks. This, then, is the cause of my concealment, and the reason why I forbore to inform thee that thy father was King Omar bin Nu'man. But when thou camest to the throne, I told thee what thou knowest, and I durst not reveal to thee the rest till this moment, O king of the age. So now I have discovered to thee my secret and my proof, and I have acquainted thee with all I know, and thou reckest best what is in thy mind. Now all the captives had heard the slave-woman Marjana, nurse to King Rumzan, speaking as she spake, when Nujat al-Zaman, without stay or delay, cried out, saying, This King Rumzan is my brother by my father, King Omar bin At-Nu'man, and his mother was Queen Abriza, daughter of King Hardub, lord of the Greeks, and I know this slave-woman, Marjana, right well. With this trouble and perplexity got hold upon Rumzan, and he caused Nujat al-Zaman to be brought up to him forthright. When he looked upon her, blood yearned to blood, and he questioned her of his history. She told him the tale, and her story tallied with that of Marjana, his nurse. Whereupon the king was assured that he was, indeed and without a doubt, of the people of Iraq, and that King Omar bin An-Nu'man was his father. So, without losing time, he caused his sister to be unpinioned, and Nujat al-Zaman came up to him and kissed his hands, whilst her eyes ran over with tears. The king wept also to see her weeping, and brotherly love possessed him, and his heart yearned to his brother's son, Sultan Kanmakan. So he sprang to his feet, and taking the sword from the sworder's hands, whereat the captives made sure of death, he caused them to be set close to him, and he cut their bonds with the blades, and said to his nurse, Marjana, Explain the matter to this company, even as thou hast explained it to me. Replied she, O king, know that this shaykh is the wazir Dandan, and he is the best of witnesses to my story, seeing that he knoweth the facts of the case. Then she turned to the captives, and repeated the whole story to them, on the spot and forthright, and in presence of the kings of the Greeks, and the kings of the Franks. Whereupon Queen Nujat al-Zaman, and the wazir Dandan, and all who were prisoners with them, confirmed her words. When Marjana, the bondwoman, had finished, chancing to look at Sultan Kanmakan, she saw on his neck the third jewel fellow to the two which were with Queen Abriza, and recognising it she cried so loud a cry that the palace re-echoed it, and said to the king, O my son, know that now my certainty is still more assured, for this jewel that is about the neck of yonder captive is the fellow to that I hung to thy neck, and these being the two, this captive is indeed thy brother's son, Kanmakan. Then the slave-woman, Marjana, turned to Kanmakan, and said to him, Let me see that jewel, O king of the age. So he took it from his neck, and handed it to her. Then she asked Nujat al-Zaman of the third jewel, and she gave it to her. And when the two were in her hand, she delivered them to King Rumzan, and the truth and proof were made manifest to him.
and he was assured that he was indeed Sultan Kanmakan's uncle, and that his father was King Omar bin An-Nu'man. So he arose at once, and on the spot, and going up to the Wazir Dandan, threw his arms round his neck. Then he embraced King Kanmakan, and the twain cried a loud cry for excess of joy. The glad news was blazed abroad without delay, and they beat the tabrets and cymbals, whilst the shawms sounded, and the people held high festival. The armies of Iraq and Syria heard the clamour of rejoicing among the Greeks, so they mounted to the last man, and King Zibl Khan also took horse, saying to himself, Would I knew what can be the cause of this clamour and rejoicing in the army of the Franks and the Greeks! Then the army of Iraq dight itself for fight, and advanced into the plain and place of Cut and Foyne. Presently King Rumzan turned him round, and saw the army deployed, and in preparing for battle employed. So he asked the cause thereof, and was told the state of the case. Thereupon he bade his niece and brother's daughter, Kuzia Fakan, return at once and forthright to the troops of Syria and Iraq and acquaint them with the plight that had betided, and how it was come to light that King Rumzan was uncle to Sultan Kanmakan. She set out, putting away from her sorrows and troubles, and, coming to King Zibl Khan, saluted him, and told him all that had passed of the good accord, and how King Rumzan had proved to be her uncle, and uncle of Kanmakan. And when she went in to him, she found him tearful-eyed, in fear for the captive emirs and princes. But when he heard what had passed, from first to last, the Muslims' sadness was abated, and they joyed with the more gladness. Then King Zibl Khan, and all his officers, and his retinue, took horse, and followed Princess Guziafar Khan, till they reached the pavilion of King Rumzan and when entering they found him sitting with his nephew, Sultan Kanmakan. Now he had taken counsel with the Wazir Dandan concerning King Zibl Khan, and had agreed to commit to his charge the city of Damascus of Sham, and leave him king over it, as he before had been, while they themselves entered Iraq. Accordingly they confirmed him in the viceroyalty of Damascus of Syria, and bade him set out at once for his government. So he fared forth with his troops, and they rode with him a part of the way to bid him farewell. Then they returned to their own places, whereupon the two armies foregathered, and gave orders for the march upon Iraq. But the kings said one to other, our hearts will never be at rest, nor our wrath cease to rage, till we have taken our reek of the old woman Shawahi, surnamed Zatadawahi, and wiped away our shame and blot upon our honour. Thereupon King Rumzan and his nephew set out, surrounded by their nobles and grandees. And indeed Kanmakan rejoiced in his uncle, King Rumzan, and called down blessings on nurse Marjana, who had made them known to each other. They fared on, and ceased not faring, till they drew near their home Baghdad, and when the chief chamberlain, Sasan, heard of their approach, he came out to meet them, and kissed the hand of King Rumzan, who bestowed on him a dress of honour. Then the king of Rum sat down on the throne, and seated by his side his nephew, Sultan Kanmakan, 
who said to him, O my uncle, this kingdom befitteth none but thee. Replied Rumzan, Allah be my refuge, and the Lord forbid that I should supplant thee in thy kingdom. Upon this the wazir Dandan counselled them to share the throne between the two, ruling each one day in turn, and with this they were well satisfied. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 11 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3